I love, I love that you're clapping. Uh, I'm not sure which one you're rooting for. I guess the cheetah. Uh, hey, we're starting a new series called Chasing the Heart of God, and we're going to talk for the next three weeks about a man named David from the Bible. If you have a Bible, you're welcome to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. If you don't, that's fine, because we'll actually have it on the screen. But here's what I want to tell you, is that chasing after the heart of God can often feel a little bit like what we saw in that video where you make mistakes, you stumble, you fall, you, you feel like you're right there and you just, you miss it. We make a mistake, but here's what I want you to know. This is one of the differences between chasing after the heart of God and what we saw there is that God's not running from you. The heart of God is not running from you. So for every one of you tonight, I want you to know that if you're willing to chase the heart of God, then you can catch up with the heart of God. You can have the heart of God. You can be in line with the heart of God. We're going to talk a little bit more about kind of what that means and what that looks like over the next couple of weeks. But let's start by this way. Let's pray together, and then we'll continue on tonight. God, thank you for every student here. And God, I pray that everything that would distract us right now, that we would eliminate those things. I ask that you would eliminate those things. Anything in our mind and our hearts that we brought in, I pray that we just lay those aside and focus on you for these next couple of minutes, and we'd grow in you, and we'd learn more about what it means to chase after your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so it's uh, February. How many of you guys are like, I can't believe it's already February? I was talking to somebody earlier. Uh, I won't name his name, but his name starts with a C and rhymes with Lay, Clay. Uh, he, was, he, said, he said, hey, our games for baseball, they start in February, and I was like, it's February, man. And he's like, oh, man, I can't believe it. You know, that happens. I can't believe it's February already. And this is a month where you see more than any other time of the year, you see hearts all over the place, right? You start seeing them all all over the place and chocolates and things like that start coming out. And and here's what happens is some of you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. If you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, raise your hand. (laughs) Some girl was like, no, no, don't raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. All right, if you don't, single and proud of it, raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I have a wife, and she's also my girlfriend, so it kind of works for both. Uh, that's, that's fun. But uh, this is one of those months that, that people talk about, like, going after that person's heart, trying to go after their heart. And we wanted to encourage you for these next couple weeks to chase after the heart of God. Above everything else, everybody look up at me for just a second. Above everything else, chase after the heart of God. Now, I've got some chocolate for some people. You can't eat it in here yet because you get in trouble, but anyone want some chocolate? All right, I'll go one over here. I have another one. Hashtag better together. Super cute. You totally rock. I already got your section. I already got your section. Nice hands, Peyton. Nice hands, buddy. All right, so if you got that chocolate, hang on to it. I don't want to get in trouble because there's chocolate all over the room, so hang on to it. Eat it afterwards. If you didn't get something, guess what? I've got something for you when you leave tonight. Every person in this room will get something when you leave tonight, all right? Uh, I bought something earlier, so you'll all get something 
when you leave. All right, David was called a man after God's own heart. Everybody say David. David. Everybody say David. David. He was called a man after God's own heart. You know, you know, one of the best parts about that is that God was the one that called him that. God was the one that said, this is a man after my own heart. Now he went through some serious, in his life, he went through some serious ups and some incredible down times. Some serious peaks and some incredible valleys. I mean, if you remember Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, like this deep, dark valley on the edge of death, he says, he says, I walk through that valley, but I know you're with me. But all along the way, as he's going through all these things, God had a plan that God was working all along. Now, here's what happened, is that David, because he sought after the heart of God, because he was chasing the heart of God, he got to experience those plans. And we're going to look at, at a story that many of you guys know. Actually, it's kind of two parts of a story that many of you guys know tonight. But I want to take a little bit deeper look and see something that maybe most of you have probably missed when you've thought about this story. A couple pieces that many of you probably missed. We're going to look a little bit deeper at it and we're going to move very, very quickly. All right. First Samuel chapter 16, starting in verse one, it says, the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So Saul was the king, but God is telling Samuel, who was the prophet at this time, he said, I have rejected Saul now. Saul turned away from me, so I've rejected him. So here's what you're gonna do. He says, go to Bethlehem, find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Verse four, so Samuel did as the Lord instructed. Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So Samuel goes to Bethlehem. Anyone else know what Bethlehem's known for? Yeah, the birth of Jesus. By the way, that's an important part to understand as, as you look at all of the Bible. It's an important part to understand why all this is happening, but we're not gonna really get into that part, all right? So he invites, Samuel, he invites Jesse's family, all of his sons, to the sacrifice. Verse 6, when the boys arrived, the young men arrived, it says Samuel took one look at Eliab, a name that probably none of you have ever heard, took one look at one of Jesse's sons and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. He looks at him and says, surely this is the one. Surely this guy looks like a king. Verse seven, it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Here's what I want you to know right off the top. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. God looks at the heart. Now some of you, you're in here right now and you think, I'm glad to know that because if he just looked at me on the outside, things wouldn't look so good. Some of you guys are like, I look pretty good. But here's what you need to know. God looks at the heart. He's not worried about the outside. He's not worried about all the pieces of how you look and how, how, how you dress and all that kind of stuff. He looks at your heart. And that's a really important part to understand because we spend a lot of time taking care of how we look. But you need to understand that God looks at your heart. So take care of your heart first. So we're going to keep moving on. Verse 10, it says, in the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. He said, God hasn't chosen any of these good looking guys, and they look like they could be kings, but for some reason, God didn't choose them. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? And Jesse replied, they're still the youngest, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Samuel said, send for him at once. We will not sit down and eat until he arrives. 
So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. Any girls want somebody like that? All right. All right. Um, and the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So David was overlooked, he was unimpressive, and he was unimportant to everybody. Even his own dad didn't even think about him. When Samuel said, hey, I want you to bring me your sons because one of your sons is gonna be king, he brings all the other sons first. His own dad brought all the other sons first and said, oh, he's just the shepherd out in the field. Like, he's, he's watching the goats and sheep. He's not an important guy. You don't need him. And Samuel goes, no, we're gonna go, to, go ahead and talk to him. Go ahead and bring him in. So he brings him in, and even though he was overlooked, unimpressive, and unimportant to everyone, there was one who didn't overlook him, and that was God. He was unimportant to everyone except for God. God had a plan for him. So uh, chapter 17, next chapter, and this is the story that most of you guys in the room will know. There's a guy in this story named Goliath. Anyone ever heard of Goliath? All right. We're going to look at this story, and some of you guys are going to want to, like, for a second, you're going to want to check out. Be like, oh, I've heard that story. Don't check out, because there's pieces tonight that if you listen, you're going to catch that you never knew, you never understood. So don't check out on me, all right? So Philistines versus Israel, people from the land of Philistia versus Israel. And so they're standing on opposite sides of this big valley. And this is history, by the way. This isn't just like some fairy tale story. This isn't a parable that means something. This is real life, a story that happened in real life. Uh, thousands of years ago. So they line up on opposite sides of this valley. And here's what happened, verse four. It says, Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. Over nine feet tall. People think I'm tall. He was over nine feet tall, which is like this tall. Okay, really, really tall. A lot, lot taller than I am, and big, because we're going to find that out. He's over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet. A bronze coat of mail weighed, 20, weighed 125 pounds. He carried and walked around with chain mail that weighed 125 pounds. That's heavier than most of you junior hires, okay? It says he also wore a, a, a bronze leg armor. He carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam. If you don't know what that is, go look it up. It's heavy and it's thick, okay? Tipped with iron, an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. Go pick up a 15-pound weight, and they'll be like, okay, this is on the end of this long spear, and you'll figure out that it was pretty heavy. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath stood, verse, verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted to taunt the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called, I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the army of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now, any of you guys, if you saw a nine-foot giant with all that stuff, would be terrified and deeply shaken, right? Uh, yeah, that's what I thought. So here's what happens. Verse 16, it says, for 40 days, every morning and every night, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. 
and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain, see how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they were doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army in the valley fighting against the Philistines. So David's dad says, hey, take your brothers some food. They're, they're ready to fight a battle and they need some food. Take it to them, check on them, find out how they're doing, come back. It says, verse 20, so David left the sheep with another shepherd, set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as, just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Think about this for a second. Every morning, the Israelite army would leave their camp with shouts and battle cries like, oh, we're going to go out, let's do this, you know, everybody like that. And then they get out there and then Goliath comes out and they're all like, (laughs) start crying, right? And they're terrified, they're afraid. So those shouts and battle cries obviously didn't do a whole lot. So here's what happens. It says, soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other Army against army, David left his things with the keeper of the supplies, hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine camp champion, came out from the Philistine ranks. David heard him shout the usual taunt, usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw, them, saw him, they began to run away in fright. That's a great battle cry. Verse 26, David asked the, sh- the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get if he kills this man? Ending his defiance of Israel. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Then David's question was reported to King Saul. And the king sent for him, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul, I will go and fight him. Saul replied, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. This guy has been a man of war since his youth. Verse 34, but David persisted, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or bear came to steal a lamb from the flock, I'd go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the claw, jaw and club it to death. If I have, I have done this to both lions and bears, I'll do it again to this uh, pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented, all right, go ahead. May the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. He said, I can't go in these. I'm not used to them, so he took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream, put them in his shepherd's bag, only armed with his shepherd's staff and a sling, right? We know this. He started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. If you don't know what that means, it just means like he was clearly out in the sun a lot because he was a shepherd. Goliath said, am I a dog that you come, with, come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. How many of you guys heard this story like when you were a little kid? All right, I'm gonna bet that this part of the story is not what you heard, okay? David replied to Goliath, you come at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of armies of Israel whom you have defied. I'm sure you've heard that part, but here's what you haven't heard. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give your, the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with the sword or spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. 
reaching into his bag, taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling, hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone. He had no sword. He ran over, pulled Goliath's sword out of its sheath, used it to kill him, and cut off his head. How many of you ever heard that when you were a little kid? Yeah, a couple of you, because your parents read it to you at night to scare you to make sure you stayed in bed. Right? He cut off his head. And then it says this. It says, then, uh, it says, when the Philistines saw that the champ- their champion was dead, they turned and ran. The men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after them, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. Uh, the bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road as far as Gath and, and Ekron. Then Israelite army returned and plundered the Philistine camp. It says this, David took the Philistines' head to Jerusalem, but he stored the man's armor in his own tent. Love it. And then says, as Saul watched David go out to fight this Philistine, he asked the commander of his army, who is this young, whose son is this young man? And the guy said, I don't know. We'll find out who he is, the king told him. As soon as David returned from killing Goliath, Abner brought him into Saul with the Philistine's head still in his hand. Tell me about your father, young man, Saul said. And David replied, his name is Jesse and we live in Bethlehem. That must have been the weirdest conversation of all time. Because it said that he came in with Goliath's head still in his hand. He walks in to the king, holding a guy's head in his hand, walks in, and the guy goes, tell me about your dad. He's like, oh, we live in Bethlehem. <laughs> Want to talk about this? It must have been the weirdest conversation in the world. The weirdest conversation in the world. I love that part. You probably haven't heard, even if you heard that he cut off his head, most people don't know that apparently he was walking around holding it because that's what, that's what happened. Okay, now this is a story from history, a historical fact, a story that happened in history, but here's what a lot of people miss because every one of us, and I want you to look up at me for the next couple of minutes. Every one of us in this room, we want a moment like that in our life. Especially if you're a Christian, you've turned your life over to God, you say, I wanna have a moment like that where, where my faith is so big and, and God just comes through and it's just so amazing and so powerful, I wanna have a moment like that. All of us want that kind of moment, but a lot of people miss this other part. One key piece, verse 33, don't be ridiculous, Saul replied, there's no way you could fight this Philistine and possibly win, you're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. David said, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or bear came to steal a lamb from my flock, I go after it with a club, I rescue it. And then it says, if an animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to lions and bears, and I'm gonna do it to Goliath too. That's what he says. Here's what I want you to know, because all of you guys are in kind of an interesting stage, middle school or high school, you're in an interesting stage, no matter which one you're in, because what happens for a lot of people is they say, I want that to happen someday. I want it to happen someday, but what you miss is that God is trying to do in your life right now what he needs to do to prepare you for what's coming someday. So for David, it meant being faithful in the field. It meant being faithful in the field. 
Because all the stuff that God was using, while well, everybody else forgot about him. He thought, he thought he was forgotten about him, and he was the youngest brother. Even his dad was like, oh, not my son, my youngest son. He's just a shepherd, no big deal. Don't worry about that guy. You know, I know he's my son, and you want a king, but it's got to be one of these other ones. And everybody else forgot about him. But God was building him in the field. God was turning him into the person that God wanted him to be. Many people think that the giant, that Goliath was the key to the process. Goliath was not the key to the process because God had a plan to turn this shepherd into a warrior and a king, and it all happened because of what was happening in the field. If you read the book of Psalms, you'll see that, God, that David was chasing after the heart of God while he was in the field. Not once he became a king, not once he became a warrior, he was chasing after the heart of God as a young boy, as a teenager, as a junior high and high school student, you can chase after the heart of God and that will be what God uses in your life to prepare you for what he has in the future. And by the way, what was happening in the field was just as big of a deal as what happened in that valley that day. And so many students, they overlook all of what's happening and they overlook the field that they're in, whatever field you're in, whatever school you're in, that's your field. Whatever home you're in, that's your field. Whatever team you're on, whatever group you're a part of, whatever friends you have, all of that, that's your field. And if you'll be faithful in that field, then God will use that to prepare you for what he has in the future. And by the way, he'll speak to you in the field. And as you chase after his heart, not only do you chase it, you get to experience what God's doing in the field. How many of you guys would love to say, I killed a lion with my bare hands? Yeah, David did that in the field, not in, not in the valley. Killed a bear with my bare hands, I clubbed it to death. It was chasing after one of my sheep, I thought, you know, I'll go kill this thing. God was using his time in the field and he was faithful in the field. It was in the field that God was preparing David. It was, David was seeking God in the field. He was chasing the heart of God in the field. He was hearing the voice of God in the field. He was worshiping God in the field. Read Psalms and you'll see he was worshiping him in the field and it was in the field that God was preparing him for this moment. Don't overlook your field. Be faithful in the field because God has great plans for you but they don't start later. It's right now.